0: This is LA Wildcats quarterback Josh Johnson, and this is the XSL show.
1: football fans, this is For the Love of Football, and this is the XFL Show. I'm Alan, and I'm Brian. You know, we toss a lot of mantras and words around talking XFL, but the one word that they all tie back to is fun, and on today's show, we're having a ton of it, because we're talking and chatting with the person who might have just had the most fun job of anybody at the XFL. This is episode 137. We're going to be talking to the imagination behind the reimagination, Bryant, Sam Schwartzstein, director of football operations. What a show we got lined up today.
2: Friend of the show, Sam Schwartzstein, a man that uh, you could sit and talk hours, which we did basically, uh, football uh, through the entirety of the the creation of this league and today, so stick around. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we have Sam Schwartzstein on the show today.
1: Yeah, buddy, Sam Schwartzstein will be coming up on the hot read. We're gonna get to you, get you to that interview as quickly as we can. We have uh, some some stuff to talk about as well, but uh, a lengthy, awesome football conversation with someone who saw the XFL. Become basically develop into what we got with the five weeks of football. He was a founder of this league, as far as I'm concerned, with the rules and how much effort he put into giving fans a different football product, the kind of product we deserve. We owe a lot to Sam Schwartzstein for the work he did in terms of all the changes to football in the XFL we saw him been talking about ever since they they kicked off in February. So you're going to love this interview. We're going to go to it in just a little bit. But quickly, let's dink and dunk around XFL social. Brian, the only one thing I want to hit from social media, at XFL show where you posted a poll question, uh, was the results, a resounding yes, that the five weeks of XFL football really showed us that it worked? Well, I, well the
2: question was, was five weeks of football to say if anything worked or even didn't work? At that point and I don't know, I'm on the fence I really I put it out there because I've been thinking about it for a while a lot of people are saying yes it was enough time I guess you can say maybe next week we'll see if it worked or not I think most people will say it did but regardless was five weeks of football Alan? I want to ask you personally was five weeks
1: of football enough to say something either worked or didn't work in the XFL. I think so, yes, especially after, because we talked to Sam before we put the rest of the show together. (laughs) So uh, talking to to him and and talking through all the different aspects of the rules that he implemented and the innovations with coach-to-player communications, I feel like we learned a lot about what was working and, and what the new rules were and how they worked and that they could maybe be improved upon, but I don't think there was anything in terms of the innovations and the different aspects of the XFL from the NFL or NCAA that was going to be, or should have been scrapped, maybe tweaked. Uh, but I voted yes on this poll question and, uh, it's still live, right? Or is it over as of the, show I think it's still live as of
2: a, the posting of the show. It'll be, uh, a- no longer Okay. Alive. Check it out. There's a lot of cool responses there as well. And you can always call our fan line,
1: 724-565-4XFL, if you have anything to say about it. Absolutely. That's That fan line's 360, seven days a week, 365 a year, toll-free, standard text res- messaging rates do apply. 724-565-4XFL. At XFL Show for that poll question, other poll questions, if you want to just hit up hit us up on social. And I must say that this episode is brought to you by Pretty Easy Podcasts. You could get your own podcast started by going to prettyeasypodcasts.com. And Bryant loves saying the catchphrase for Pretty Easy Podcasts. Making,
2: so
1: making podcasting uh pretty easy. You got to throw the uh in there. That's for sure. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> prettyeasypodcasts.com. Go there today to get your own show started. All right. We've dinked. We've dunked. Why don't we hit a quick cover, too, and then get straight to the Sam interview. That You cool with that, Bryant? Uh, the same. Can we just do it now? We got two things to get real quick. You want it down? I'm gonna give it to you right now. Winston Moss wants it too. So here we go. All right, (laughs) this is from the Rock's Instagram, which we basically I look at every five minutes. I don't know about you, Brian, or in his Twitter. I mean, just to if there's any updates, any XFL related posts from the great one. And uh, there was a great one from the great one, who said, "Quote: Maybe I'll be the first owner." In pro football history, to suit up and play in a game. All right. Percentage you give this of actually happening.
2: I don't. Here's why I don't. I don't want The Rock. Here, here, I'll put it this way. Maybe The Rock wants to get cut one more time so great things happen to him going forward. He just needs that like reboot from the CFO where he got cut, had $7 in his pocket. He's like, I'm going to do it again, try to get cut, and then relaunch again on another uh, part of my career. I don't think it'll happen could he take, some, he even said himself he'd probably get his ass kicked, so I don't think it's fair to like assume that he'd actually do it. Percentage, just put a percentage
1: on it. Oh, man. Two uh, percent. Two. It's how you like your milk, too. I'm going to go, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say 1.3 percent. That actually 1. happened. 3. I don't think it's a great idea, although... <laughs> I want it to happen, at least for one game. Eh, suit up. Why not? Preseason game, maybe. I don't know. But how quickly would Fox and have every network jump at that? Oh, the Rock's going to play? Oh, that's, we want at least that game he's in, the first game. Yeah. I mean, then <laughs> I had to talk about a multi-million TV, dollar game. Man.
2: Crash TV, my friend. That's what that would be right there.
1: I like it, though. That That's a, co- a cool way just of, I think, if you're a player and you see who owns this league, like, this guy's ready to suit up if... He has to, and he might actually want to. I mean, I want to play in that league. Uh, the Rock, it, I, there's no better salesman for the XFL, I think, to the players than an ex-player like him. And uh, the star of Ballers, don't forget, as well. So he's done this in a fictional world before. So we'll see what – Spencer couldn't suit up in that show, what was but the Dwayne Johnson what what can't.
2: What was the movie where he played like a dad who had like a daughter that he just found out? I forget what that one was called. He was a football player in that one as well, wasn't he?
1: The Tooth Fairy. No, I forgot. I forget <laughs> no. which one.
2: It's one of them. He also All had right. a really cool quote, Alan. Real quick about I don't have it in front of me, but he was basically saying what the league is about and it's about the players. So yeah, follow the man in on Instagram. He's very inspirational. But basically, that the uh, we we retweeted it on on our Twitter at XFL Show. The X uh, the, the Rock is in full effect with the XFL for sure.
1: And yeah, he even has the workout belt now too to go along with it. Um I'm a, I'm going to get the XFL yoga mat cuz that's what I've been doing to stay in shape for quarantine. So you you wouldn't get you wouldn't know that by looking at me, but yeah. I got namaste, right? To you and yours. How about part 2 of our cover too? XFLers in the NFL real quick update on some movement, player movement. Uh Matt McCrane, former kicker for the Guardians signed with the Cleveland Browns. We'll see if he actually gets on the field. I have a feeling the first ex-f- XFL player in the NFL on the field this season will be a kicker. Might be him. I
2: I don't know. Storm, I feel like he's getting closer and closer every single week. It might be a kicker, but, man, DJ's PJ's getting Storm.
1: closer and closer. PJ. I was on PJ Watch this past weekend for sure. Panthers start Owen 8 or something. Put him in. Come on. Put Although him in, PJ. We all love Teddy. Uh, Austin Walter, who kickoff return for a touchdown with the Dallas Renegades if you remember that running back kick returner he signed to the 49ers practice squad um, and I definitely saw the headline of him signing with them and then watched that kick return over and over and over again for the Dallas Renegades um, and another renegades player also signed into a practice squad Willie Beavers signing to the Atlanta Falcons
2: it's gonna happen how how Quickly, it does. We'll, we'll see. But it's definitely going to happen. A player from the XFL will make
1: his uh, debut in the NFL. And that does it for this week's cover, too. Like we said, we want to get you quickly to this week's hot read because this week's hot read is a lengthy, educational, informative, and just awesome interview with the director of football operations. We are welcoming one of the most important people behind the scenes at the XFL, Bryant, this week. A driving force behind so many of the -the on-the-field innovations when it comes to the the gameplay and also the access fans got. Sam Schwartzstein, a true innovator, creative mind, and seriously fun guy to talk football with.
2: We've done that before many times, and this was no different than all those other times, which is why we love having him on the show. We talked to him during the draft. We talked to him at the summer showcases. I talked to him for hours during... Uh, the the training camps and, and things like that. We talked to him uh, today, and it's a lot of fun. So we'll get to this hot read and, and just sit back and relax because to hear what he has to say, I think he said some things that you probably haven't heard anywhere else.
1: Oh, for sure. You're going to get some insight into the XFL and just really, I'd say also get like a pen and paper and jot some things down because you're going to learn more as a football fan whenever you're listening to Sam Schwartzstein talk. So here we go. It's this week's hot read. Director of Football Operations for the XFL in 2020, Sam Schwartzstein.
2: Sam, welcome back to the show, man. Great to get your uh, face on the show. How you been, man? It's been a while. It's
0: been great, man. Um, it's been, you know, a fun summer. I've been spending most of the time with my uh, family. I've lived in seven homes. If you count training camp where I was there for 21 straight days. So uh been all around the country um, just driving around trying to, you know, tie up loose ends but um been great to see some friends and family i hadn't seen since working at the xfl and now i spent more time the past six weeks at my parents house than i did the previous 10 years combined so this has been pretty awesome
2: you know i've seen on social media you've become quite the uh, barbecue pit master you've been watching the food network like i have because i've been this (laughs) like you know chef now in the kitchen
0: you know my brother max is one of the most uh, eccentric people and so when he gets an idea of you know something that he wants to dive into he dives into it 100 percent. it's kind of the schwarzstein way so <laughs> we got the big green egg and now i don't think we cook any meals without the big green egg and <laughs> you know we watch youtube nonstop to try and figure out what we can do differently and we borrow and steal from other people of how to make some great barbecue
2: but it's it's been fun oh man it looks tasty too but on your uh, social media on your twitter uh, right when the whole announcement of the XFL kind of closing its doors for the time being you posted a whole timeline of, of what, you know, I guess 2018 through 2020 was to you. And I guess you were tasked with reimagining the game of football. What was the first thing that popped in your head when that happened?
0: Well, I I did very similar things to what you guys did is I'm a big football fan. So when the, when Vince announced what he wanted to have in a game, you know, I was super interested and um, there's probably some old Reddit posts of me, just asking the public, what would you do before I was even hired? Just like, cause this is kind of what I was put on this earth to do was to kind of Innovate on top of football, so and sports in general. So, I was always interested in figuring out what to do. And there's some big cogs, and I want to know what the fans actually said. And what was nice is when I first got to the XFL, and Oliver hired me on. I was the first um, football employee. The other people that had been carried on over and transferred from over from WWE. So I was the first actual employee outside of Oliver. Um, So I call myself a founder because built up the entire league from the ground up. So. They had data on what fans had wanted to see in a game, and that made me really excited because that's how you should build any product As you ask the customer what they want, not what how they would solve it, right? Because they would say, hey, you know, why have linemen, right? Well, what is it? Wh- why have holding calls? You know, like a lot of fans would just say, J- just take w- rid of those. Or, you know, you talk to old school football people, and they go, well, I think I know what the fan wants or I know how it makes the game better, and that's not how you should approach changing the rules it's oh if we blitz we're going to kill the quarterback no we had less QB hits in our league than any other sports league and we didn't have uh, uh, blitz rules right so you know those things aren't real you have to ask the fan what would make them want to experience that game differently and then that was my job to provide that to them Um, whether it was fan uh, was it rules that was a big part of what I did and I think that's been well documented Um, but also like fan interaction right how do we let them hear the play call, right? So then I was tasked with trying to work with my team, David Michael, Lars Osterland, to find the right tech partners that could let us do that. Um, if I want to give the coaches more ability to do unique things instead of putting fake restrictions on them, what technology can that be? So that, that was another part of it. And even the ball, the ball you got in the background on the shot, it was how do we make something that's unique and consistently the XFL – but not lose, you know, the integrity of the ball like the first XFL had. Um, The AF had some ball issues with the chip in the ball. Um, How do we make the best version of of a football but also not take anything away? And that was a big part of the the whole development process. And then what was great was what was promised from the beginning was we're going to have time and resources to invest in these things. You have to just make it cost less money than we have already put it budgeted in right so they were going to spend about a million dollars on testing i think we spent over or under a hundred thousand dollars in testing when i come in so instant cost cutting using partners like the spring league like your call football innovating different ways um and then also coming in and saying why do we do the things that we do how can we do them better and then putting in a process to change it. So with the rules testing, it was true product development. I had my background in Silicon Valley, and it was true product development, bringing that energy and that processes to the league and to football had never been done before, right? They were they were basics, they're bread and butter in, in uh, Palo Alto, but in the football world, they're not, they're you know brand new. They're they're crazy to, to people. Wow, oh my god, you're using data to back up every decision you're making. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Oh, you're, you're trusting what's what's happening on the field over the data? Yeah, I am. I'm combining the two. You know, like, these are things. Like, the data told me the Halo rule would work. Yeah, all you have to do is stop five. Or, it didn't. So that's when you adapt. You know, guys like Justin King, Brian Kilmeade, Eric Galco, we were watching these games as well as understanding the data to then push this through to give the fans what they wanted. And that was that was awesome. The energy that we had from the founding of it in the football side – was to really bring the fans exactly a game they wanted, but not solve it exactly how they told us to. If that makes sense. Yeah.
2: Um, no, and and just kind of to, to reiterate what you said. You know, you're one of the founding fathers. So if, if there was ever a Mount Rushmore of XFL, <laughs> sometime you'll be up there, Sam. Don't yeah. worry. But it's kind of cool to hear you say all that stuff about you know fan uh, experience because in the end of the day, you know what what we're watching now. Uh, with the NFL, and we all love football here. That's why we started this podcast. that's why you got invested with the XFL. It just makes you wonder why the things that the XFL are doing or did uh, aren't there all the time. It makes you miss it even more. I don't know if you're getting the same kind of feeling, but that's what I'm seeing every single day. Yeah, you know,
0: I um, I, I put this on Twitter, but anytime I see someone run Spider Two, I'll 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 shout it out because it's one <laughs> of my it's my favorite play. I think I converted like. Forty first downs in 2011 with that play. We kind of <laughs> ruined it for Stanford because everyone's looking for it now. But, you know, uh, that – getting that information before it even happens makes the game that much more exciting, right? And anytime you make a fan of football smarter, they get happy, right? They may not know exactly what it means week one, but by week 10, they know what it means, and they get to talk to their friends about it. And all the stuff that they saw, you know, I, look – um, Dallas Cowboys when they failed in the, uh, f- on fourth down, what play did they run? Everyone should know this because How Mummy ran it 16 times in a row, and Greg Olson was talking about it. They ran mesh, you know. Like everyone should see that now. You know, don't, you don't have to have like you know years of football experience to be able to see what's going to happen on the field, right? And that's what the XFL did. The XFL gave fans that inside look and that peek. You know, whether it's the rules, I see. You know, the rules take time. But the more you spend time with these leagues and understanding the game plans and understanding coaches, everything has a why. Everything has a a reason. Um, It doesn't have to be a good reason. It could be this is the way we've always done it. It could be we like our game. We're not losing any customers. That's why people don't adapt. That's why Kodak, the same day um, Instagram was bought for a billion dollars with 11 employees, Kodak was valued at $960 Right, They had 3,000 employees. They both shared photos. Kodak could have easily become a mobile photo sharing app, much easier than Instagram could have been. But no one uses a Kodak camera anymore. Everyone uses their iPhone, and then Instagram is one of the biggest companies working for Facebook. And so there's people that just kind of get stagnant with the okay, and they see wins. And as long as they're winning, they're okay continuing that course, Right? But you have to have some sort of innovation and some sort of pocket of it. I think the NFL is doing a great job with next-gen stats. They're doing some really cool stuff with pass-block win rate and uh, run-block win rate and those things. I, I love seeing that, even if they're wrong, right? You're showing something, you're putting something forward, and you're testing it in the public eye, which is the hardest thing to do. You know, We, we were very shuddered with our testing. I wish we were a little more open. We were very shuddered with it because then I would have gotten more feedback earlier, right? this was a way to kind of that's a way for the NFL they're doing a really good job here integrating these stats integrating these things and soon you know it's going to be a big part of it players get paid off of how they score on PFF players are going to get paid by how they score on these metrics right because that's how
1: people are going to start
0: doing this due diligence
1: and one day we will have offensive linemen in fantasy football I, I predict that hopefully and, <laughs> and, and and you bring it up you know that's just more it's It's innovating, it's bringing up things that maybe no one thought about before, but there is is a fan base out there ready to sink their teeth into all these kind of different aspects of the game, and I thought the XFL did that wonderfully. And then you brought in these rule innovations that I feel like eventually will be adopted in other leagues. I mean, we look back now at the XFL kickoff, uh, a play that resulted in, what, 93% returns, by the way, uh, now we watch the NCAA and NFL, all that the fall football has started. I mean, I don't know about you, but I kind of laugh and cry at the same time. Whenever I see the kickoff in those leagues, Sam, how about you? Yeah. You know, um,
0: it, it, it does. I have hope that it's going to be in every league at some point. Um, I just think the way the football is going, it, it, it makes a lot of sense to do it. Um, it did suck the first time seeing a regular kickoff and it's just going straight out of the back of the end zone.
2: You know, like okay, it gives you a bathroom break though, Sam. Like that's how I see it. It's like you don't have to stay there for it now. It's in the XFL. You couldn't miss those things. You couldn't. No, you just got an extra point. minute,
0: and that's a great point, Brian. Right? That's one of the best. That was one of my missions there at the XFL. Was you? There should be no play that you can honestly miss, right? And that was a big part of it. I wanted it to be, uh, and we called it meaningless plays or nothing plays. You know. We had probably three a game that you could miss, right? That's when the you know the coach decides to punt from the plus territory. Um, you know that's a QB kneel or a, or a spike, a spike not so much, but a QB Neal. We didn't really have that many of those. You know we had a very famous QB kneel when they shouldn't have QB on fourth. <laughs> <Very true. laughs> but but you know like we didn't have that many of those, and we went from the NFL having thirteen percent meaningless plays. To us having three a game, you know, that's like one and a half percent. That was that was a big deal for me because every play, you know, you know, did I have as much offense explosion as I wanted? Not until the L.A. Tampa game, really. You know, Houston helped me out, um, but you know, I wanted a little bit more. But that was going to come, right? That was going to come down the line. Years of experience, well, that, that's what will help you uh, get there. Coaches really understanding the rules, but uh, you know, it was it was seeing the kickoff now in the NFL makes me even more confident that we'll get to where we are um, with our kickoff. Um, I think onside kicks staying in the game instead of doing the fourth and 15 was also proven last week that that is the right way to do it. If you just go to coach Kevin Kelly, who helped me out with my rules immensely and watch the copter kick, we can keep that rule in. It's not a dangerous play. If, if you're kicking it a different way, a better way, even so, you know, um, when the AAF got rid of the kickoff and then went to the 4th and 15, everyone was like, okay, let's do it. But that's not truly the game, right? We could have gotten rid of kickers altogether. You know, from a business standpoint, I saw, okay, three players per team. I don't have to have punter, long snap, or kicker. I don't have to have any backups. That's times eight. That's 24 times the guys I have to resign for injuries. That's let's get to 30. That's all those salaries. I'm going to dump them in somewhere else so I can save Vince money. But no, that wasn't football. Right, that wasn't the game that we love, and it would be hilarious to call it football if there was no foot being involved in the game at all, right? And so, you know, it, it's it's taking the hard problems and doing the hard things. Ben Horowitz wrote a great book called "The Hard Thing About Hard Things," and it's about finding those hard tasks, those problems, and trying to work really hard to get
1: the great things out of them. And that was that was a fun part of the XFL. It was it, the, 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 I think the XFL really did a fantastic job when it comes to the rules, and you know, you as a founder, keeping the foot in football, keeping football football, but providing us fans something new to look at and sink our teeth into, and look and maybe realize, oh, this is a better way of doing it. I think a lot of people at the end of it were, you know, with left with the XFL rules at least saying. I liked all that. There was really nothing. We tried to debate on this show, like what wasn't working. What I couldn't. I wanted to see more of it, and I'm sure there's data that you were probably waiting to see with five more weeks of football. But I think, as well, people in the NFL, in NCAA, high school football, I feel like some rules you guys came up with, Sam, rules you came up with yourself, will be implemented in these leagues. And I'm, I'm hoping you uh, will really take great pride in that if that eventually happens. I feel I'm anticipating it happening one day. Hopefully the kickoff in the NFL, most importantly to me. Yeah, I mean, that was
0: that was a big deal for me, you know, um, and changing the game. That's what, you know, Oliver pitched me right away was, hey, we will have an opportunity to be the leaders in how the game should be played. You know, we're not going to have Patrick Mahomes throwing ta- passes for us, right? But, you know, we can show this is the way the game should be played. Um, biggest problem in college football outside of their touchback issues is sign stealing. The teams with more people on staff can steal the signs better, because they don't have coach to player, right? Can't really steal signs in the NFL because they're holding the mask up over their face. They can't lip read, and then you have coach to player, so you get more innovation, right? There a lot of big times where guys jump balls in that in uh, in college football is when they jump a route, right? You know those big signs that they hold up with the four pictures on them. Yeah. I would say 95% of them are just to block the skybox behind them from stealing signs. But if they use coach to player, we have the whole Houston Astros issue where they're stealing signs. (laughs) Why can't can't the, the, the manager send the signs in to the pitcher in a headset? We could then hear it as well. You could tap into that. You don't have to hide. You don't have to do signs. These are the kinds of things that I think will permeate through the rest of sports um you see that you know pll did a great job paul rabble and his brother michael rabble they did a great job with the cross league giving more access um you have uh athletes unlimited doing a great job with access and giving the people what they want and then putting on top of it um uh, innovation for softball that makes it more like an all-star league so everyone has individual scoring and it's trying to change up the game now. I don't know if it's going to work. There's some business model aspects of it that if you make it less about the team, that you can't make as much money. No franchise fees. If you make it about the player, not the team, that's how the MLS makes most of their money. Um, gambling you can't really do because there's a system that's being gamed by the players. The win is the spread's not as important to the players as winning innings, right? So it's it's hard to get there, but they're trying new things. I, I think sports will get that way because it's going to become as live TV becomes more needed because netflix and other places are putting great um catalog content on their platforms the live sports will have to innovate to kind of make it again more exciting
2: yeah i saw it during a, a baseball game where they tried to interview uh, i think it was a dodger um their basement it just didn't feel it, 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 i don't know it just didn't seem like they went through the the motions of doing it beforehand so it was a little awkward and whatnot but um but yeah, so, you know, a
0: lot of stuff in all-star weekend um that, you know, uh, Ed Placey and Bill Bennell, we talked to them a lot at ESPN about, you know, how we could do that. And we didn't want to do anything while a player was in the field of play, right? Um, that's too much. PLL does that. Um, football is too much collision sport and too cerebral for that to happen. And there's not as many true lulls because even when you're in the huddle, you're talking about what's going on, okay, down to distant things like that. So, you, it, the, the baseball lends itself to do that much more.
2: Um, but, Sam, when um when coaches were brought on, let's just be kind of honest here. Some of the coaches struggled a little bit with when to go for it on fourth down. You know, when is the correct time to punt or, or not? You know, there was a lot of – not a lot, but there were some struggles. Who was tasked? Was it you? Or or what was the process when you brought on a coach to kind of help them get acclimated to all the different rule changes you guys were trying to propose? Because at the end of the day, you can make any rule changes you want. If the coaches don't adapt to them, it's going to look like mud out there.
0: Yeah. No, it was um – um. What if I called every play for every team? We would get the exact game that fans would want. That's a solvable problem. I could do that. You know, I could make every playbook the same, and I could have plays go one way and other plays only go one way, and we, we could get up-tempo, but that's not actually what fans want. Fans want to see a true contest of teams going up against each other. Um, I was tasked with getting the coaches acclimated and get them on board, but you have to understand from coaching standpoint, Coaches, train coaches, so they learn from their leaders and their idols, and that's how they get better. And then the coaches we had were successful at every level of football, right? Every single one of them had won their division at some point or won a championship, and they got rich doing that, you know? (laughs) Like, that's the best way that I can put it, you know? So why would all of a sudden they change now? Adapting to the rules is hard for them. Um, because they don't know if it's truly going to win, because I won doing it the other way, right? Now, outside of one coach, every one of them have been fired as well, but also been rehired, right? But they have a method to their madness, and you can't deny that that was what made them successful. So that was a hard part of getting them. And then as Houston starts going for three more and they're having success, the best coaches are the best thieves, and they start going for it. Oh, the number one play. So then, you know, what we had was we had a great relationship with PFF and they would pull reports for me all the time. And, you know, I would talk to all these coaches and I would give them that information. Hey, midseason. Hey, you know, here's when you should go for it on fourth down. Wait, can you explain to me why I should go for it from my own 40? I go, yeah, I can do that. Right. Right. Because if you punt it, they can they can still score their next possession. You're not denying them the ability to score. Here's the expected points at it. You know Ben Baldwin and his team at, um, of analysts with NFL Scraper and Faster. Now, you know those guys helped me out be able to bring this stuff to them. And then Optimum Scouting, Justice Mosqueda, he was able to provide me all this literature to provide to our coaches. And then I sit down and talk with them. Um, I, I, I'm going to tell a quick story about one of my favorite interactions, and it just shows you the kind of great coach Bob Stoops was, is uh, week one they lose. And he calls me. And every coach calls me after, you know, a win or, lo- or a loss pretty much. And most coaches are complaining, hey, you know, you missed this call. The refs missed this. the You know, the official should have called it on this. You know, okay, okay. And Coach Stoops just said to me, hey, Sam, can you walk me through that go for it situation again? Can you walk me through the one, two, three-point play again? You know, ma- make sure I really understand it. You know, he took the onus on himself. And then the next week when they won against L.A., sorry, Bryant, but when they won, he called me. They had a coach-to-player issue, and he let me have it, you know, and I was happy about that because I screwed up. That coach-to-player was my system. I wasn't at the game, but if that's my system that they put their trust in me, and he let me have it, right, right? From there, we were able to work with Blake, his um, uh, equipment manager, and we were able to put together a true, pro- a better process before the game to test everything, right? And we ended up having to cut out some of our uh, technology. We coded it, um, you know, really technical coding system, and they we didn't code it the right way. And we just said, let's scrape that feature out. But you know, he was able to come to me when they lost and look to get better, but when they won, wow. look to make me better. Right. Because he won in spite of me. So that was a big deal to me because, you know, every you know, all most of the time it was you did this wrong. You did that wrong. You did this wrong. You did that wrong. But it was like, okay, I really want to know. I really want to adapt. And you saw them adapt. And Kenny Perry was his special teams coach. Awesome guy. Awesome coach. And you saw them run that cross block touchdown on kickoff. Right. They had the most they had the most thought process on kickoff innovations. You know, they didn't do the reverse, but they were trying the most stuff. Um, you guys saw them do that squib kick, which we kind of didn't have a squib kick, but they sealed their game against Seattle because they did a unique kick, right? And that, to me, showed that these coaches were getting better. And then what happened in Tampa when Jamie Elizondo took over play calling? You know, Coach Tressman was still providing as much information as possible. He became almost like that data guy. He got down in distance, things you go. On the comms, he was giving all that information, but they started running 90 plays a game. Almost like a college team, but also running the ball a lot because it didn't affect the clock differently, really. Right. And so they were all adapting to what they were doing. And then Luis Perez comes in in New York and they're winning games. You know, every team was adapting. And we got to week five, which are, you know, okay, this is honesty. I needed to have a great week one. I knew what week two was going to look like because. Well, week two is kind of a toss-up. Either you get really good or you get really bad because, you know, we don't know that. But I need week one to be as good as possible. Week two, week three, week four. Week five, you know that's the game you have, right? That's what your game will look like for the rest of the year. These teams now have an identity. And so that was what was great to be able to see, okay, this is what it was going to be moving forward, right? And so the coaches took time and we had to talk with them. We showed them the rules. I presented to them once a month. We had weekly meetings with them. Um, not always about the rules, but you know, it was really trying to put as much information in front of them as possible. But until they hold it in their hands, it's gonna be nothing. I had coaches MF and me about the kickoff being you know, awful, and this is not football, and you've ruined the game. And I had me tell me that. And then week one come up to me and goes, Hey man, this might save football. Same coaches, <laughs> you know, same coaches. They're allowed to change their mind. I'm not, you know, yeah. but uh it, it was fun. It was fun to get to work with them. At the time, it, it was trying. But what was great is I had guys like you. I had fans that I'd talked to. I'd shown some of my buddies in media some of the rules. And everyone was like, it looks weird, but this might work. And then, you know, I had the confidence of the data showing me this is what it was going to be. And then me and Dean Blandino holding our breath on that first kick. <laughs> Collectively holding our breath on that first kick. So... Uh, it, w- it, w- it was fun. The coaches were great. Um, getting to work with them and getting to
1: learn from them, their their way of thinking as well. So, we would have had basically Tampa and LA games the rest of the season, the way it was going. Week five, that that was I'm allowed was to promise that, LA. right? You never know, yeah. but yeah,
2: I'm allowed to promise
1: that. That's <laughs> what I
2: would you know with- it is to cheer the press box while you're watching that game live. Like, it's it's even for Tampa, because the scores were just back and forth. It was amazing. What a
0: fun game. I mean, that that was I'm really happy that happened and I got to be there for it. Um, because that game, I got to see what the XFL was supposed to be. And you had a team that ran the most plays and a team that had the most big play percentages, right? So number one way to indicate who's gonna win a game is how many teams are how many. Uh, plays or 15 yards as a team have, right? And that includes those pass interference. You see me on Twitter, that 45 yard penalty on offense. That's why you pass the ball um, or on defense. And so, you know, it was interesting to see LA won a game in a very dominating fashion against DC, The like a week or two before. But LA had only five big plays and DC had 13. <laughs> You know, and so data guy, here's how you win a football game. I got all the answers and then boom, the exact opposite. Well, no touchdowns were scored on big plays for D.C. and five touchdowns on five big plays were scored for L.A., right? And so that's what made the game great is you got to see now L.A. playing Tampa. Tampa runs the most plays, which is the number one indicator you're going to score a lot is if you have a lot of plays. And L.A. was the big play because they had Josh Johnson, man, like and uh, Trey McBride, like they had two of the best guys in the league. And that was so fun to get to see that live and feel that energy in that stadium. Mm
1: -hmm. We could see you on, on game days. And I was always wondering this. So you'd be roaming the sidelines or up in the booth. You had the headset on and I know he's the director of football ops. Who's he talking to? Who's screaming at him? Who's he yelling at? What was a game day like for, for you? So I can't really
0: watch games, not in the field. Um, When I first graduated from Stanford, uh, I started. I I would jump on the field quite a bit. Uh, The director of football ops there, Matt Doyle, would have to get me a pass and be like, "You can't do this again." And the next week, I'd do it again. And so they finally they gave me a job so I could be on the field because I I just can't really watch the games from the stands. Like it 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 kills me. Um, And so I I would go on the field and I'd I'd spot for the uh, PA announcer. And so when we got to the XFL, when I was doing testing I produced every game right if I didn't like a kickoff I just said re-kick right so, <laughs> you know, so I was like yeah let's just do it again uh, the coach would be like what well, go just line up I'd call Brian and say hey t- change the play change the clock up there we're gonna do it again you know and so we get to the first game and I'm like oh crap <laughs> I can't produce this game anymore this is not my game this is the fans game now and so it was I wanted to be on the field other aspect of it was I had all four play callers uh, uh, headsets in my ear, so that's the headset I was wearing. We called it the God Pack because I could hear everything, and so this was for an integrity purposes. I wanted to know if there was some calls stealing from the uh, from TV. Technically, you can't steal calls. There's a seven second minimum day latency for TV um, because of Janet Jackson. Then you have the latency of already beyond cable networks, which is even longer, up to twenty two seconds, twenty three seconds of latency. So I knew they couldn't be stealing calls because all that mattered for the call being stolen is in the moment, right? Unless they say, I'm going to call this play three plays from now, it doesn't matter. So I'd listen in to see if I could have any integrity issues. That's what I had. But it was like watching the game in the Matrix because I'm hearing both sides of it and both sides trying to figure it out. And, you know, just that was a real fun part of the game for me.
1: There's nobody who had more fun on game days than you. I knew it. <laughs> That's the best. I we were enjoying watching TV here, and one coach at a time. You got them all in your ear. I was, I was so jealous of you. We saw you on game day in DC week one. It was just, I was like, man, that guy's having. So that was a funny one.
0: Uh, I was tasked with getting the football for the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, at the first kickoff. Right, so I get it. I'm happy. I'm walking around with it. I got the football under my arm because you know got to have the six points of contact, and I'm hearing this guy uh, screaming at me, Sam, Sam. Sam and I'm like what? And I turn around. It was like a guy who had come to like a fan event in DC like two months prior, three months prior, and he was like, "You're the most overdressed effing ball boy I've ever seen." Because <laughs> I was in my suit, you know, my stupid giant lucky jacket. And the guy uh, was uh ripping me for that. And then I had the ball under my hand, and I saw—I thought I saw the ball—a kickoff bounce in the end zone and go out but it actually bounced in the field of play and then go out but i start screaming at the official why is the ball being spotted there let's move the ball i'm on the field and the guy was like no you're not wrong you're not wrong i got a text from brian like hey bro they got it
2: right (laughs) don't worry about it it." i was like okay you know but i was like a watchdog too maybe that would (laughs) have been good just because they'd be like hey you guys maybe next time
0: yeah uh i I did ball spot in our trials because you know cutting
2: costs so i did i have still a planner faster from that i should have submitted (laughs) a workers comp at the time well sam let's talk a little bit because you know it's great talking football with you and having you back on here because we miss it all we all do but let's talk a little bit about maybe something that you might have wanted change that you thought would have been great maybe it wasn't as good as you hoped for were there anything that you needed tweaks maybe i I think something that i think i noticed was like, like a penalty on a touchdown right or on the conversion, what happens to the kickoff after that? Anything like that that you can think of they'd want to tweak?
0: That was the hardest one to figure out. Um, uh, because you want to, they assessed it and the kickoff, right? But they would only move the kicker, right? But that doesn't truly affect anything, right? To the untrained eye, that doesn't truly affect anything because they can't move. Well, Why did we choose the 35 as the kicking spot when I tested from the 25 all the way to the 50? Every yard marker was tested that was on a solid line, right? Not a hash. Okay. If you're closer to the kicker, to the area, you have way more ability to place the ball. If you're able to kick it in the field of play and have it roll into the end zone, they they get the ball at the 15, not the 35, right? So just tell your kicker, sky kick it, have it land – at the ten, and have that ball roll in, right? That that's the that's the the hack to it. But they would all just try and kick. They just would tell their kicker just kick it and kick it out of the back of the end zone, right? They thought there was no perceived benefit. What everyone else said was bank the penalty. So if it's pl- penalty, bank it. So now you have this fifteen yard penalty on the receiving team. Wherever they get the ball, you just take that spot and you move it back fifteen yards. What happens if they bring it out for a touchdown? Do you assess it on that extra point or do you bank it again? Now they have another penalty. Do we rebank the bank for the bank or how do we bank that bank? So that's what everyone wanted to do. And we decided, you know, Dean and I talked about it. Let's just say like all rule changes, what can be solved with education? What can be solved with technology? If neither of those can be solved, use a rule change, right? So the rule change is the last line of defense you really want to use. And so that's why we decided to stick where it was and use education. Was that what have been where moving forward? I don't know. We could have gone to the bank rule because, you know, we had two kickoff returns over, I think a hundred. So you have a 2% chance to have uh, uh, this bank bank situation. Is that enough to solve it? I don't know. Maybe we would have gotten better kickoff returns. Maybe we would have seen one a game. I don't know. So I still think we were in the right there, but that's where coaches need to understand what they can use more valuably with that kicker up front, right? And how do we better do that? There is risk involved, right? But I had a great – a coach told me he didn't like the rule, so he said, I'm just going to tell my guys to get a penalty on every touchdown that the other team scores. And I said – well, if you're going into a game plan with playing on the other team scoring a lot of touchdowns, we are going to have serious problems. If you're going to, get, you're going to let the other team score to stick it to me, you have more problems than I do.
2: Um. What about? I mean, we've talked about pretty much every rule here, Sam. But so I don't know if the answer will be different. But what was the one rule that you would consider like your baby, the one you were most proud of, the one that you could say, "Hey, this is this is the top one on your resume?"
1: I guess you could say. Yeah, when we when we put your Mount Rushmore here, at least in my office, I'm gonna put your Mount the Mount Rushmore. Your face will be there. I want to have carved out creator of well many rules, but what's your favorite? Um, kickoff is a big
0: one for me. Cause I think it could save I could say football. I mean like a lot of people worked on that rule and I've told that story a million times about the sugar packets. <laughs> um, I think that one can say football. Um, coach to player is a big one for me because I've wanted that since I was a little kid. Um, and the way that I was able to my, my, because I have Silicon Valley business experience playing football and now startup football, developing football, when a rule can can blend through every single part of the business, that makes me super happy, right? Kickoff affected gameplay, right? Camera angles were tough with that one. It didn't look like football great from the side. Um, it takes some while to get used to. Everyone told me that. Um, but coast to player, we barely tapped the surface of it. We can make it by position group. You can make it opened up. I have a, a full suite of technology. I can't discuss it here of how I would build it with better tech, with more influential tech that would provide even more information to every single fan. Like I have a prototype of it. I was ready to just go down. We have a, we had a five-year plan on coach the player and we just did the bare minimum. I'm talking the bare minimum. I mean, I mean, other leagues do differently, bare minimums. But the what we saw was the bare minimum of how we could use coach to player. Um, so those those two pieces I think are really important. I think punt, punt you could really solve with education um, because you should pretty much always go for it once you get past your own forty. Um, that's what math tells you. Um, whether people want to argue with math or not, that's what math tells you. Or also if especially with the amount of offensive head coaches, if you mean you can't get a, uh, so there was a coach that. During testing, said to me, uh, team had it on the plus like 49. And they're like, So wait, you're telling me on fourth and seven I should go for it here? I go, Coach, you're an offensive coach. If you don't have a play that gets you seven yards, I don't know what you're doing here. Like you, <laughs> yeah. you can't tell me you don't have a play that gets seven yards. Right. I know it's hard, but come on. And uh, you know, that that really can be solved. So, but what, what what was really great about punt was it was a true team effort. We had this halo, and I was trying to manipulate all the rules. And the CFL is made by design how it works. But I was trying to take away some of the really weird things, like the rougeon on sides. I'm not going to get into what those are, but they're very oh, weird. weird. They're very <laughs> weird. And so I tried to manipulate other rules to take on top and go, no, the best way to solve what the CFL was doing was the rougeon on sides. That's why they went with the rougeon on sides. So I had to commit. So we are watching. I had Justin King and Brian Kilmeade and Eric Galco, they're watching the Gunners on when they release. And we said, oh, that's an easy rule. Just limit when you can release, and it's not new. So what we didn't want to do is we have to teach our fans new things. So fans don't know that the reason why they see more shield punt in the college football is because any player can release once the ball is kicked. So that's why you don't need anyone to block except for those three fat guys in front of the punter. Then you have the NFL, which only lets the Gunners release. So we just said, oh, let's just take it one more step and say no one can release. That's not too foreign, right? Um, and that that really, we were like, oh, crap. We went from creating a 5-yard halo to an 11-yard halo, right? And so that created more opportunity than even the CFL had with their halo. And we had no guys having to stop short. We just told their guys, you get to run as fast as you want but not when you want, (laughs) you know, it was a little bit different instead of teaching guys to slow down and just create more penalties. We had less penalties on punt than other leagues. And, and that was a large part of it. Those three rules, probably my, my ones I love. I mean, the the timing rules was a big task for me. Um, That was the whole team and Syracuse Analytics club and watching a lot of football. You know, we had over 50 games processed and how do, how do I, once we got I was told we weren't going to have big TV partners, and then we got the biggest TV partners. And so you know, the easiest way to get a a two-and-a-half-hour game is get rid of 45 minutes of commercials or 52 minutes, right? That's how I get my 312 to 230. Easy. Wow, pat myself on the back. Now we have commercials, and I have to get the same number of plays as the NFL so I can predict the same amount of scoring and have the same commercial load. Okay. That's when we had to do a lot of math. We created a predictive model. I changed the rule in the last week of training camp because there was some mess up, and then we got to a two-hour and 51-minute game, and boom, it was perfect. If you scored 50 points or we had over 15 penalties, it would have been about three hours on the dot, and that's why we had that L.A. game. We had the big injury to one of the players. L.A. went over three, but... You know, that one was one that I can't watch football without watching the play clock or the game clock anymore to try and predict it. Um, you guys can have fun with this now. One minute of game clock time is three minutes of true time. It's about a three hour and 15 minute game. Half time's is about 14 minutes. So you take that 60 minute game to three hours, one to three. Right. So you guys can now watch. Now, the two minute warning takes a little bit longer, but you can try and predict how long this game is going to go based on how much game clock time is left in the game.
2: I'm holding that to you. I want to, I'll have the stopwatch out this weekend and see how on Sunday. Yeah, Two-minute
0: warnings, two minute a little bit longer. And then if a team if – it's, if it's close and a team that's down scores to where the other team then has to half the score as well, that makes it longer as well. But if but if you get kneel-down period and stuff, you know, it'll go around that same amount of time. Do
1: Alan, you, not- you,
2: you do the next one because I'm a little –
1: well, I'm just going to say, Brian, do you not like when we talk to Sam every single time I get s- smarter as a football fan, as someone watching football. And that's what I think, man, because I think your fingerprints are all over the XFL. I think everybody who watched it, I think, became smarter football fans because you treated football fans, I think, with respect with to how you guys presented the rules. And, man, I'm just so happy to be talking football with you again because I feel like I'm we- better educated every time. You
2: we ran into Sam at the corner in St. Louis right before the game. I learned more football on that little crosswalk walk with him than yeah. I did in like two years of the show. Um, where are we at? <laughs> well, we're, Sam just we're talking.
1: No, nah, we're here. We're here, <laughs> looks- man. We're at, we're at the end. We're gonna we're gonna let you go, Sam, man. But because uh, we want it, we want to save it. We know. Uh, we know you're still you're still conjuring up some ideas, and you got plenty to work on. And when the XFL comes back, whether you're involved with it or not, man, we know that uh, you are a founder of what we know the XFL is now. So we appreciate you for sure. No, it's fun. It's always fun talking with you guys because um,
0: what was really is we didn't have every football fan watching us, and for some reason, a, a lot of football fans weren't rooting for us. Um, you guys, Mike Mitchell. Some other guys that followed us rooted for us because they wanted football to be better. You guys didn't know me from Adam when I took the job, but I already knew that when I when we would talk, you guys were rooting for us. I, in my mind, I was like, "There's nothing to write about. Why are they writing about us? Why are they podcasting about us?" But it was what made it cool is the community that we did have of people rooting for us were people that cared so much about just more football and making the game better. And everyone had the idea of what if other leagues approached this league innovatively. And I want to do innovation. I want that. And when we talk to our fans, the two words that came up the most about why they like football over other sports is innovation and strategy. Well, they never know the strategy for a lot of coaches. They question it, what they do all the time. And sometimes we see, we have 80% of the play callers in the NFL come from the same coaching tree. So how much innovation is actually taking place? And so that was great for us is we tried to have innovation. We had the most, two of the biggest innovators in coaching and, uh, uh and how mommy and june jones you know coaching against each other in the texas showdown or over the hell we called it you know like that was a big deal to give that to fans to see that now when fans found out that the air raid is just calling mesh 50 times you know like it's a little bit different i think aj smith one of our great offensive coordinators he'd get mad at me if i said that because he'd be like no we call six 50 times a game you know but <laughs> Uh, that's my favorite play call. At Stanford, I had like these gigantic play calls. Pep, you probably heard Pep call these gigantic play calls, and then you go play against How mommy, and he just goes six.
1: <laughs> it is tiny. Again, that's all. You get the tiny card. Go fast, if do it just... again. <laughs> six. Quick play mm-hmm. call. Um, We put it out on Twitter,
2: asked anybody uh, if they had questions for you. And without asking you this question directly, because I don't feel like it's fair, but I will say this. I'll ask you this. What do you see your future in football being? Uh, Is it more innovations? Is it, you know, way? what what do you see yourself doing, you know, next year and and then the years after that?
0: I'd love to be involved with football. Um, Still, I think that I want to be in a role that I look for the right role, um, that is in the right organization. I got to work for Oliver luck. My best friend's dad that I'd known for 10 years before I took the job. Um, and he's one of my closest friends. And that was important to me. I want to be around the right people who want to do things differently. I mean, just talking to me, could you imagine me going to a place? that's like, yeah, we're not going to use data to make any decisions.
2: <laughs> you know, we're, we
0: like the way we're doing things. Um, so I need to go to the right place that has the right role for me Um, Whether that's in football or esports or other opportunities as well, you know, I I had a esports background. I was almost a coach of a a League of Legends team years ago. Um, I borrowed a lot of thinking from esports to see how they were able to build from a a grassroots, um, bootstrapped type of league to where they are now as you know the biggest sport in China. Um, So you know, it's there's different avenues for me to go. I want to make sure I'm with the right team or right league that's willing to innovate and not willing to look at what they have as a commodity because football is not a commodity. The other leagues were not as successful as we were. I know we didn't get as many games the AAF, but, you know, we were going down that path because we were not just cutting it off or making assumptions. It was because we were willing to do little things a little bit more innovatively.
1: Well man, you always have a place to talk football here with us if you go if you go into another realm for sure. And we appreciate all the time and all the hard work you put in to give us five amazing weeks of football and all the stuff we talked about before kickoff even. So wait, I you know,
0: every time we do this I have to I still have to ask, you know, Brian, you brought up that penalty after the touchdown, Alan. Anything you would have changed?
1: Oh, anything I would have changed. I mean, we've had this talk on the show before. I mean I I would have just, if I was in your shoes, been yelling at the coaches to go for three every week when they called me and started yelling at me because I'm sure the data was telling you so.
0: You know what was the coolest part of the go for three one that I liked, and it goes back to the the pass interference penalties. Where was the three point play taking place from the ten yard line, right? What was the average spot a three point play was being attempted from?
2: Seven and a half, I would assume, somewhere in that range.
0: Because there was more penalties. On three-point plays because there's the more. Was LA, great, the first conversion I think was in L.A. La penalty. La yeah. went for three a lot, and they always got a penalty drawn by the other team. So if you're doing that, was was so great about you know the math in my head says go for two every time. If you go for two, fifty percent or thirty percent versus twenty percent. Oh, oh, oh. But math isn't the game all the time. There was you think the spot's going to be at the ten, but the true spot is the seven and a half. Run a pick route. Who cares if you got if you get a move back to the fifteen if you're on a pick, right? You know, you already have a hard score, yeah. but they might have a penalty. They might hold you. That's what was so great about the uh the the plays. That was you know we saw that happening more. I, you know the number one most successful play, AJ Smith, wherever he goes, he's going to be a great innovator as a coach. The number one most successful play for a three point play was a QB run and it wasn't always a design QB run. So now when you're watching the NFL, when you're watching Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, uh, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, when they get to the 10-yard line, start watching if they're going to run a QB run, zone read. And it's often just going to be a keep because that's the best play from there. You know, even if it's a breakdown of a of a pass play, the QB having that ability to be able to say, I'm going to go get it, and it's safer because all you have to do is get to the 10-yard line. You're not going into the open field, really, or get to the goal line. It's 10 yards. You don't have to put yourself at much risk, you know, because if you, you normally run in the middle of the field. So that's what you're seeing. People who watch the XFL, they're adapting that. You know, people have been doing it for years, but let me take credit for it for the sake of this podcast. But, you know, that's what we get to see more of is is the, this uh, evolution of the game going forward.
1: Sam Schwartzstein, thanks to him, and I just can't express how much better of a football mind I feel like I have every time I talk to the guy. That is legit, Bryant. And now I'm going to be watching football this weekend with a stopwatch. (laughs) With a stopwatch
2: and... You know, I'll 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 be more intelligent about football after this interview once I get my mind back in, under control because it's it's a lot to talk about when it comes with Sam Schwarzstein in football, but but still,
1: uh, always nice to talk to him, like we said. And and who do you think? I, mean, I really do who do who do you, who do you think around. what who do you think was the coach that was MF in him? Whatever he get those calls the most. Oh, definitely had to be Zorn, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, who knows? But I mean, from the sounds of it,
1: it, could have been any single one of them every single day. He he, he was probably mother trucking, uh, Sam more more than any other oh coach. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Mother <laughs> gosh darn cheese and rice, Sam. Sam, why didn't you tell me about that? What a job <laughs> Sam had getting get berated by coaches, but also teach the coaches a whole lot. Crazy insight from the guy who I think definitely to me had the most fun job in the XFL for Kickoff 2020 and uh, I just can't wait to see what that guy does next cuz like he is a total I think I would say creative genius based off of what he did with the XFL the job he was tasked with he put in that Twitter uh, a thread Brian that you and I were reading all up in before the interview saying I was tasked with two things Reimagine the game and have great football week one number two being like impossible and we all enjoyed week one of the xfl so job well yeah. done to sam
2: yeah very much so thank you sam for being on the show uh and hopefully we get to talk to him many more times as this football uh league relaunches uh, real quick i'll get us out of here alan uh, follow us on twitter at xfl show uh or actually on all social media platforms make sure you listen to the show every single week on your favorite podcast, Gimmick. That's every Friday morning. We'll be there. And uh, check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash this is the XFL show, the official YouTube page of the XFL. Alan, real quick, too, before, uh, congratulations to Molly McGrath. She's, she's having a baby. First one.
1: All XFL right. sideline reporter. Congratulations. There we go. Congratulations. What do you but, do when you have no football? But I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, you got it. You got it all done before, before the XFL kicked off. Exactly. But we, the first XFL baby's always though in, in that in your household. You got you got that late claim <laughs> claim to fame, baby. All right, we'll be back next week with another uh, awesome show. I'm sure we'll see uh, what kind of guests we could wrangle up for you as well. We're going to be doing more of these conversations. And uh, really appreciate you leaving comments in the YouTube section as well. We could take from those for future episodes. We want to hear from you. So we appreciate you. And I want to also keep hearing what everyone is missing from the XFL each week when they watch the NFL. Like, I don't remember that many injuries in one week in the XFL. Oh, my. Murder week in the NFL last week. We'll talk uh, how the, the two leagues relate, I'm sure, all season long, but... Like Brian said, the social and all that. You could follow us at XFL Show. We appreciate you so damn much. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week. For Brian, I'm Alan. Thanks to Sam Schwartzstein again. This is the XFL Show. Remember, they're listening.